Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on an end man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Or should I now say, the Black Pearl Show. It's a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. And as gibbeted gluttons for punishment, we break out the rum and explore not just the films, but the expanded universe and all things pirates in additional scurvy-ridden episodes, like this one today. It's the first and longest-running fan cast with broadcast five and sometimes six freaking bloody days a week. Well, once we officially get to the minute-by-minute breakdown extravaganza... I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for episode 201. We have our rum, there's no minute in sight, but there's plenty of Pirates of the Caribbean to discuss as we ramp up to Dead Man's Chest. Well, at least that's how I think the numbering of the episodes will go. I mean, we're going to continue numbering daily episodes by the minute of the movie we're discussing, but I'm thinking we will do a season and number format for the extra episodes surrounding all these other Pirates of the Caribbean material we plan to cover. Kind of like professional TV series. That way I feel a little bit better about myself. (laughs) No need for behind-the-scenes sausage making here, though, because I don't think everybody out there... Hey, we're not doing euphemisms yet. We're just starting out. There's This you is started. no euphemism. You looked at me in the studio. I was just moving along. But I don't think what I was saying is, is that people really want to hear how we're going to number the freaking episodes. I don't think they care. I don't think they do either. I am just was mentioning. I was probably more for you to get on board with knowing what's going on. But in your podcatcher, you'll notice the minutes when we get there. And then you'll just see episode 201 for season and then the episode. And that's for the additional ones that we're going to be doing. Not just the minute by minute breakdown. All kinds of cool stuff coming. Why, and thank you for explaining that. You're welcome. I have to explain things to you. Definitely. I might have to get out the dry erase board here and just jot it down. Diagram it out for you. See, so you're all on board. We're now, starting this already? Yeah, it just fell right back into the, the oh. groove of things. It just you happened. Know, I didn't even know. Off. I know. It just happened. And it was I so easy. This. It just fell out of my face. It's ridiculous. As I mentioned to what I'm sure were a series of groans out there, this is the start of season two, but not quite really that daily minute by minute breakdown of Dead Man's Chest that we've been promising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good call. Our schedule was completely obliterated by a number of factors, but the one that completely halted all production was the wildfires in California. That effectively wiped out a month of our work for the show. We emerged unscathed, but Napa, which is our hometown stomping ground here, and Sonoma counties were hit hard by the fires. Thus, we are playing a bit of catch-up and giving ourselves a couple of weeks before we unleash the daily episodes upon the masses. It is awesome, though, getting all those notes About the show, and I'm glad to see everyone is just as excited as we are to get season two underway and Dead Man's Chest. There's a lot of 
tension out there as people want to tell us what's going on and their ideas and their thoughts. So we'll probably go ahead and share a lot of that like we did last season. Oh, Let cool. people know what's going on and then they can share their ideas and we'll all be one happy pirate bunch family. So what's up with you, Heather? I really haven't seen or spoken with you since we wrapped up season one in The Curse of the Black Pearl. Did you enjoy the hiatus? Yes, I did. The hiatus it, without me? Yes. It was weird it was because we're nice. in the same place. I wasn't insulted? That's true. Are you sure you weren't insulted? I mean, if we're really being real. There had to be no. some insults there. But we really weren't talking with each other. No. We kind of just we did our own thing. That. We The only time we actually talk and see each other is when we're in here. I usually walk around with like those horse blinders on just so I don't have to look. I just walk around with the headphones on so I can't hear. Well, that's a good call too. Yeah. You missed all kinds of sweet insults though by doing that. <laughs> I live in my own little head. Your own little world? I like to talk to my myself My own though. little head doesn't insult me. I don't know. Your little head <laughs> talks to me and it does a lot of no. insulting. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. We got all kinds of things planned for season two. So much material to cover in the expanded universe. Our shelves are bursting with Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. We'll just That didn't really go. <laughs> we'll just say stuff. Disney pirate things. Say things now. Pirate history information and books. And that's all an attempt to prevent any egregious on-air errors that possibly happened in season one. I don't recall any, but it's possible there were some. So you're saying with all that paraphernalia... Oh, nice. You're not going to make mistakes this season? Not usually. I mean, somehow I don't think that it'll stop us from blindly throwing out information like the experts we pretend to be. (laughs) Well, at least you anyways. Everyone learned last season. I am pretty much an expert on all topics. Some have even likened me. This is true email stuff and notes and calls to the show that they have likened me to Athena, the god of wisdom. Uh Uh-huh. But given that she's a goddess, actually, Athena, the goddess of wisdom, which is an interesting combination because I work with burrowing owls, and that is Athena. Athena Athena could be good. Yeah, exactly. So see how that works, the goddess of wisdom. Then you see in Clash of the Titans, she has the owl, Athena, the owl. But like I was getting at, really, I prefer to join the thousands of others who have really contacted me because I don't want to really be a goddess. But those out there who just keep sending me the mail and likening me to Thor, now you're on to something. So you can feel free to call me Thor if you want. What are you, what the hell? Yeah, it's my brute strength and my, my chiseled look. You see look. The, new Sp- the new Spider-Man, right? The new Spider-Man? Yeah. What are you talking about? You were talking about brute strength. You've seen the new Spider-Man? Yeah, I've seen the new Spider-Man. Got more of his brute strength brute when strength. he's not Spider Man. What do you mean when he's not Spider Man? When he's not Spider Man, when he's just walking around town. You're just saying like what? I've just. <laughs> I think you're even trying to send me back to Tobey Maguire Spider Man <laughs> because that's probably the last Spider Man you actually really processed. How dare you? Seriously, I know everybody out there. Thanks for calling me Thor. It is true. Like I said, my chiseled physique, my Norwegian. Nordic height that I have. At least I have that going for me. The dirty blonde brown hair. It's brown. How dare you? Come on, it was blonde when I was a kid. Can I just have dirty blonde and high? Not high, but height. (laughs) As I was saying before, my humility got in the way, obviously. I'm humble over here. Yeah. There is so much going on for season two that it really should be exciting. Thor hammer exciting is what I'm saying. Now that we're... Thor crushed hammer exciting. 
I hope you just didn't spoil that for everybody. If you haven't, it's, it's in the previews. That's true. It is okay. in the trailer, but it's okay. I can't believe you're going to drop a spoiler for Thor and it just came <laughs> it out. It's in the trailer. Oh, really? Yeah. Now you got everybody hating you because you just <laughs> ruined Thor for them. I seen it. Come on now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Now that we are officially back from lounging around on Rum Runner's Isle, I mean toiling away at work, hope no one heard that, <laughs> we will be reviving our social media, which I let slip actually over the hiatus and getting back in the groove of things. So I hope you noticed, Heather, that season two is actually here and that you're on board with that. And it's also bestowed upon us some new cover art logo, a shiny new website with Davy Jones staring right into all the visitors' eyes when they go there. If people still go there by desktop, that's where you get the big look of it on mobile phones or pads. It's just not that exciting, but it is. And of course, a brand new on-theme intro that has something really for everyone as we get this party started. A bit of raspy pirate speak and the oh-so-appropriate yo-ho, yo-ho in a bottle of rum that plays off our soon-to-be-covered dead man's chest. And a bounce remix of Drunken Sailor as a special ode to you, Heather. Why, thank you. Because of your fondness for Grog. Yeah. So check all that out and visit us at blackpearlshow.com or blackpearlminute.com. They both work. To discover all those places we hide after the show. Or if you really simply just want to give us a shout. We'll be there. We'll see it. Uh, probably. <laughs> Feels like we've been gone forever and that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as the updates go. I was trying to keep it low. Not a lot of them. I didn't want to flood too much and probably already did. But I almost forgot the most exciting news to tell everyone. Our connection with the Disney executive paid off over that hiatus. And we actually got to sit down with Johnny Depp, Kira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, and Javier Bardem. We also are in negotiations to be picked up officially by Disney Radio to bring our show to the airwaves. In your dreams? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. But I'm still open to the idea, should the mouse want to contact us and approach us at any time, that was just sending out my love. So really, Disney didn't do anything for us. Except they gave us some movies. And we'll go with that. Without further ado, it's about freaking time we actually discuss the short film, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tales of the Code, Wedlocked. There's a lot of commas. Not commas. There's a lot of uh, colons in that. Because it's Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, Tales of the Code, colon, Wedlocked. It's a lot of colons in a title. But it is. Actually. We teased it throughout last season and basically let everybody down. I think we even started teasing it really early on. As soon as Captain Sparrow showed up in the Jolly <laughs> Mon, we've been teasing that. Glad we finally got our act together and are bringing you some <laughs> wedlocked action after all this time. People are sitting around. They're stuck waiting for it. Like, what's going on? What are these people doing? <laughs> yeah, that's us. We're pirates. So what better way to try and redeem ourselves from letting everybody down is to kick things off with the Curse of a Black Pearl prequel of sorts. It really does answer a lot of questions, and yet, I don't know if it's a good thing. I'm just going to keep that and throw that out there. So maybe we should briefly discuss the setup for anyone who hasn't seen the short film. There will be spoilers here, so other than the Thor one that Heather dropped earlier. It's in the previews. I said you dropped a spoiler. But if you haven't seen Wedlocked, or you don't know what it's about... We're going to go over it here, but you can check it out on YouTube if you want, but it was also available as a bonus extra in some of the DVD Blu-ray sets. So if you haven't seen it, check it out, then you can listen to us or vice versa, whatever. You've been warned is basically what I'm saying. 
Ye be warned. Yeah, I was going to say, you Pirates didn't say ye that be right. <laughs> I didn't say it right. Oh, yeah. Pirates, ye be warned. Tales of the Code, Wedlocked, is a short film that was filmed in late 2006, shortly after the filming for At World's End wrapped. And this was at Walt Disney Studios in Burbank. For Heather, that's California, actually, in case you didn't know. It was released in the Pirates of the Caribbean 4 movie collection, which was an incredible 15-disc set. Which included an authentic replica pirate's chest, a collectible map, and an iconic Aztec gold skull disc case that held the Blu-ray disc and digital copies of all four Pirates movies, the Blu-ray 3D disc, and DVD on Stranger Tides. 15 disc collection. Wow. That's right. We're missing out. We are missing out. But we don't really watch 3D. That's not at home. So no. we're not missing no. out too much then. Be like the Big Bang where... They say, well, I don't remember what movie they were watching. We just watched that movie, but then not with commentary. So that's like us. We just watched, oh, but not with commentary because we got to do that. What did we go see in 3D and then we had to go back and see it regular? I don't know. We did that with a few movies. Force Awakens, we did it. Is it? it yeah, was we it, did Force Awakens We were super like close and we were 3D. And... Yeah, because we <laughs> got like, there. We got to go like, watch this again. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know if it was Force Awakens. It may have been. There was something we were close. No, it wasn't Force Awakens. There was another movie, Jurassic World. Was it Jurassic, Jurassic World? Jurassic World. That's we what it was. watched it 3D? Yeah, we were like so far up close. It's like the Seinfeld where they got to scooch into their chair. But we were close with 3D and it, in the being that close with the 3D and the glasses didn't work right. And so we ended up going back to see it again so we could enjoy it better. Yeah. And we skipped the 3D that time just in case. But yeah, that was it. The Wedlock team, now getting back on track since we <laughs> seem to be hovering all over the place today. The Wedlock team assembled a cast in a matter of days, made costumes, built custom set pieces, and worked out blocking for 40 actors. The DVD department for Disney that's making the, the movies gave Burkett, and he's the director, James Burkett, some money to scrape together a crew, rent a 16mm camera, and shoot the short film. Costume designer Penny Rose provided new costumes. As you know from season one, she was the costume designer yes. for the for the movies. Chris Peck and the prop department came through where Burkitt could put together just enough resources to pull off this short film. They only had three days to shoot because the set was going to be destroyed afterwards. Huh. Burkitt said that he was comfortable with big sprawling sets and mayhem, but that Wedlock had so little time to make it, he said that it was a race from day one, basically, to put this together. Oh, really? Well, I guess three days it would be. Yeah, and I just watched short. it again too, yeah. which is strange. And it's only it has a complete runtime of ten minutes, but the actual film itself is only seven minutes and forty five seconds. It's actually probably seven oh, minutes forty three seconds. And the yeah, book opening and... exactly. So the plot of this, because we should probably just like I said, tell you a little bit about what it is, just in case you haven't seen it and you don't care to, or you haven't gone to YouTube yet. In this short prequel to the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Two feisty brides-to-be, Scarlett and Giselle, who we do see in the movie, discover that they have something in common. The absent groom on their wedding day. And it turns out that they have been traded or sold to an auctioneer who has decided to make a profit on his property by selling them to the highest bidder. Scarlett and Giselle still object to the bride auction. And then a ruckus ensues. Shots are fired. The pirate code is wounded. And they are never to speak about this incident again, according to the pirates. But Cotton... And his parrot then show up on the screen and verbally agree not to talk about it. Or something could happen to them. Scarlett and Giselle take revenge on Jack and we end up with Jack bailing out the Jolly Mon. 
Pearl's entrance in Curse of the Black Pearl. Is that good enough plot rundown? Yeah. Kind of confusing? No. Okay, there we go. It's good. Okay, we'll just leave it there. Well, it wasn't quite revenge. It was, she pulled the nails out of the boat before to prevent Jack from escaping or escaping quickly. Yeah, they were escaping at the end and she showed it to him. But it's still kind of a revenge because, I mean, okay, it's not a revenge. It's It's preventative measures. This is like minority report, like crime prevention unit. She had a premonition that something could go awry. She didn't know what it was. He'd get cold feet. Okay, and she took it out to slow him down. But it turned out it's a good revenge because he sold them to the auctioneer. Yeah, but it wasn't revenge when it actually happened. Pre-crime, though. She knew that something was up. You don't do that to your potential fiancé unless you know something's up. She knew Jack a little more than Giselle did here. Yeah, so she... And she figured he'd get cold feet. Okay, we don't call it revenge, even though it kind of... It worked out to be revenge, but it wasn't necessarily revenge in the first place. Right. But don't you think that if you pull the nails out of somebody's boat so they can't get away or their boat starts to sink on them... You don't think that's kind of revenge for pulling out of the marriage, it's if that's what it was? preventative measures. Preventative measures. Ah, the days when women trapped men into marriage. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Congratulations the into 18th ours. century. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Talk about a shotgun wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hence, why we don't talk to each other during oh the hiatus. <laughs> the one part I, that really caught my attention at first... I mean, as we're going through it, is it's not with Giselle and Scarlet. It's actually the auctioneer because they realize that they've been sold this bride auction deal. And the auctioneer is describing it to the mass of pirates out there. And he says, each wench is certified virginal. <laughs> I was just like busted up at that. It's like, what the hell? I rewound it a couple of times just because I thought it was so funny. And then he's like trying to sell this concept that these ladies of the night are virginal at this buy a wench take or take a wench bride auction thing and he's trying to sell this concept to these pirates and they're eating it up and i don't even know if they're entirely sure that they actually care or not if they're virginal or not i think they're just ruckus pirates out there but what's funny is is that these are the prostitutes that they probably have all seen on the street maybe i don't know but it's like so Personally, I'm not sure if I'd buy that if I was a pirate in there. Like, really? You're saying that these are virginal? But then he does go on to say, you know, give it a little bit more. But I think I need to take a look at that certificate because I have a feeling that this auctioneer is just forging a lot of stuff. Well, he says like a, what's he say? Something about like a snowflake? Yeah, because. And then he goes into saying, well, not the flesh. Yeah, so this is a Disney thing. And so. I thought, wow, I wonder what they're really doing that. But it's perhaps that these ladies are just hanging around on the street corner for drinks and talking. (laughs) Like, if a guy just needs to show up and talk, he can pay some money and they can have a drink and talk. It's It's all very up and up. Yes. But he does go on, like you said, to call them snowflakes. Well, in spirit anyways, if not flesh, that they are certified virginal. Yeah. And they actually take offense to that. Yeah. They're prostitutes. But then again, still ladies. So let's make sure we treat them as such. <laughs> no judgment here. No judgment here. Just like women, or men for that fact, 
Heather gave me the evil eye. She was wondering where the hell I was going. Oh, yeah. You better watch it there, buddy. The competitive nature comes out, and they are then trying to get the most (laughs) bids for themselves. First, they're in shock, like, what the hell? We're being sold. And then it's like, wait a second. He only offered five? I love Giselle's Giselle's reaction because at first she's really like, what the heck? You know, and totally shocked that she's being sold. You know, and then, like you said, they offered five. And then she's like, what? I'm worth (laughs) more than that. Then they turn around and offer Scarlett 20. And then she starts getting all huffy about it. Well, that's what what I like about it. Because they put the focus on Scarlett winning as she really is the main attraction at the bride auction in the Disneyland ride. So, oh, you sneaky writers. That's what (laughs) I liked about that is they had to do that. Yeah. But I thought that was a good take on it. And just to show that everybody was really interested in Scarlett. But she's also lifting up her dress up on her leg, like she, like the bride. Yeah, exactly. So, so they did. A, they brought in a lot of the cool ride yeah. ideas and things that were happening in the original ride. Then, of course, there's the classic cinematic trope: the two women start fighting or mud wrestling. Hmm. <laughs> wrestling. There's well, no mud I, involved. I'm sorry, I almost lost my train of thought there. It's like maybe I need to uh, rewatch that scene just to be sure I have all the facts. Hmm. <laughs> but. We, the men, like the pirates in the audience, are the dirty dogs that we are because they're all silent now watching this cat fight happen on stage. We're so predictable. Yes. And, of course, the bidding then jumps at the that point, you know, just jumps sky high at that point. Right. We are such suckers for women and their things. I don't get it. If we want to call it things or whatever, whatever we want to do with that. Not really sure. Like Nigel, we are willing to even give up our goat for a bid. Oh, poor goat. And apparently Nigel really loves that goat. <laughs> really? That's the problem. Really he loves really that goat. He really needs more than a goat for company. <laughs> His company, is that what, what they call it? <laughs> it's Disney, so we got to keep it yes. company. Let's just call it company. Of course, the big reveal is that Scarlet and Giselle take the nails from the Jolly Mon, causing it to leak. Well, actually it was Scarlet, but... Yes. Cotton can obviously talk about... Whatever he needs to talk about, I guess I should say. Because he is able to agree that nobody should talk of this incident again. And his parrot is also able to talk still. Which he does in the movie. So, parrot can still talk. Okay, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) But Cotton actually mutters a word about the incident, obviously, at some later point. Because he can't talk then. So, something befell him. He shouldn't have talked about the incident. And now we know why Scarlett and Giselle are mad at Jack for selling them to the auctioneer. Yes, and why they slapped him. So what do you think about it? I mean, not in terms of a fun little short movie, but was it needed? Or maybe the better question is, did it ruin a bit of the Captain Jack Sparrow mystery we got in Curse of the Black Pearl? Okay, first thing I want to say, it is a it is a fun little short movie. It's really cute, actually. Yeah. And I do recommend everybody taking a look at it because it is kind of a cute little short. Behind the scenes kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. You want to call it behind the scenes, kind of. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That was it? That was it. What? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I don't think that um, you asked me if it kind of ruined the mystery of. Yeah. Okay. Of Jack Sparrow. I don't think it ruined the mystery of Jack Sparrow. I think it gave us a little more insight into the way he thinks and what he does. So if you were watching this before you seen The Curse of the Black Pearl... You know, you would kind of get an idea before you actually meet 
Jack Sparrow of his conniving ways. But would you have wanted to see this before seeing Curse of the Black Pearl? Or would you want that mystery of this captain? If Imagine you haven't seen any of the Pirates movies. Ah, blasphemy. But imagine you haven't. Would you want this tidbit of information? Or would you rather have more the mystery of Jack and being getting that introduction of, wow, what could he have possibly have done? Or what's going on with this character? I know it's hard to kind of look back at that. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it beforehand. For one thing, the beginning of um, Curse, of, Curse of the Black Pearl, when you first see Jack, not in the beginning because it's quite a ways in, yeah. but when you first see Jack, you learn that the very first thing that he's conniving and that he's a pirate. That's true, yeah. Because he cheats the boat guy. What's a, what does what he got? The guy who takes care the of harbor the boat. The harbor master. Yeah, thank you. The boat keeper. How, how quickly I lose my... <laughs> how quickly? You lost it the day after we recorded that episode. <laughs> so he cheats the harbor master right off the bat. That's so true. you know as soon as you meet Jack, the type of Yeah, but there's some person. that... That's where I'm coming from, is that there's some kind of those mysteries that I kind of like to keep mysterious. Okay. Because Sparrow had this multi-grand introduction and entrance on the Jolly Mon. Right. A sinking Jolly Mon. And that was part of this mystery of this persona of Jack, especially if Curse of the Black Pearl just aside, because he's the main star. And we expect the main star and the captain to have a grand vessel. And he comes in with his comedic joke of the Jolly Mon, and not to mention mm-hmm. that it's sinking. So part of this whole setup for Curse of the Black Pearl is that we don't know what's going on. Now, mind you, this movie came out years later right. from the curse so everybody had seen it and so i guess that's maybe why it works or it depends on kind of the mi- the mindset that you have of how you're going in with this but this crazy over the top pirate i mean who we've come to learn gets into situation yet recovers always escaping with the help of somebody else has this comedic interesting entrance that left us wondering exactly what happened right did he have another ship besides the black pearl or was this what he like amounted to after losing the pearl I mean, it just seems like it might have taken this part of this aura, this mystery from Jack Sparrow. Even if we had never found out what happened to the Jolly Mon, we could just assume by looking at the Curse of the Black Pearl that he obviously gets into these weird situations. He gets out with the help of somebody, and then he's on his way to fortune and glory. Right. And that's kind of what we see when he's swinging on the hoist and all those kinds of things. So that's, that's just all I'm wondering, if that's what happens. I mean, it's the, it, and it's kind of the same thing with getting slapped by Scarlet and Giselle when he and Will arrive at Tortuga. Getting slapped by women is not a shocker for me when I see him get slapped. I'm it for you in general. Well, that happens to me every day. <laughs> I need to watch what I say to women from now on. <laughs> you should if you're being slapped every day. <laughs> and more That's than just by, by you, me. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but getting slapped by Giselle in. Scarlet was not a shock for me when Jack showed up. Right. I mean, I expected him to have some less than reputable, well, reputation with women, being that he's a pirate. I mean, he is a pirate, for crying out loud. I expect that. But getting the backstory on his relationship with Scarlet and Giselle does kind of go back to the Jolly Mon again. Does it take away from that mysterious backstory, this larger-than-life persona, the guy that we find out, oh, you haven't been to Singapore you know, you got to check. go to Singapore if you don't know how to take off a corset. Those kinds of things that he does with Mulroy and Murtaugh when he's talking. Right. And all the other things. So that's all I'm wondering. I mean, I kind of feel that it does. 
But then again, I love this idea of the bride auction playing out in this short film. Especially since Disney decided to revamp the original theme park attraction and ditch the much-loved, or beloved, controversial bride auction. Tongue-in-cheek, folks. Just tongue-in-cheek. But it's nice that they, with this update to the ride, it's kind of nice to have this bride auction immortalized in a film. It's a short film, but it's still a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Right. And they can't take that back. Exactly. Ha-ha, Disney. <laughs> ah, we got you. <laughs> and that's a little bit more racy than it is in the ride. Yes. So maybe that's my revenge on Disney is that I now have a copy of this and they can't take it away. Maybe. Unless they pull it off YouTube. Oh, we have a copy. In yeah, our... we have a copy. There uh, we go. Yes, exactly. Does my logic here work for Cotton as well? He can't speak in the movies, yet he does in this film and we get the reason why. Or we make an assumption as to why he loses his tongue. Right. It gives us that answer. But did we need it? Or do we like to have some of the mystery where you can kind well, of have your own, choose your own adventure of what really happened? Let's think of it this way. What if you watch Curse of the Black Pearl and then watch this? What if it was the end, the, you play the Curse of the Black Pearl and the, in the end credits it had this little short? That's okay. I mean, then but, it answers those questions. Yeah. And I guess the idea is that you can choose to watch it if you don't. If you want to, because it is a short film, it's not a theater release. It's not like you ended up seeing it. So if you didn't, if you weren't interested in the short film and getting some of those little tidbits, yeah, then you could still have that mystery. Because I think that it it works better. I think if they had played this first, released this episode online as part of a marketing thing for the Curse of the Black Pearl, and then you went to see it. I don't know. It might work both ways. I don't know. It's hard to look back on it. But I kind of like not knowing all the stuff. That there were some things that I could fill in the blanks myself with my own thoughts and ideas. But then again, if you had seen like, I mean, what that'd be a hell of a marketing thing. Is that they release a short with some characters that you've seen. You don't really have any idea. And then you go, you can go see the movie and it fills in the blanks. Exactly. I don't know. I guess I can go multiple ways on that. I mean, as far as... Well, I guess I should say, as much as I want to second guess the need for the short film, as I'm trying to do here, it's like I'm trying to talk myself out of it, but then I'm okay with it. Just, go, like I said, go back and forth. I mean, I secretly like the insider knowledge on it. It kind of feels like I got a sneak peek into a world that I really wasn't supposed to, and it's a bit naughty. There we go. <laughs> well, that, and I think the main purpose for it, not only to show those tiny little extras in there, is to actually bring the ride even more into the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're bringing that, that like you said, beloved part of the ride, that bride auction, into the movies and actually animating it. Well, the thing was is that the intended bride sequence in Curse of the Black Pearl in Tortuga was essentially just cut out. And you don't see it. You see all the women standing around right. there. Kind of a sign in the background, that kind of stuff that you don't actually really see on film. There right. was a sign, but you don't really see it in the finished product. They took that, James Burkett took that idea, if you want to call it that, and created this short film and kind of essentially put the bride auction, like you said, more of the stuff that actually happened in the ride itself into the film, kind of vicariously through a short film that was released years later. Right. Because it wasn't released until 2011. Made in 2006. Copyrighted in 2008, actually released in 2011. Weird transition there. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't rather have had a shroud of mystery around some of this backstory for our beloved characters. But this is like the idea of webisodes for popular TV shows. 
it gives our supporting characters a chance to shine and we get a look into their lives, which we don't normally see on a TV show or in a movie because that usually falls to the main characters. And The Office actually used to do this with webisodes with some of their secondary cast, the supporting cast. We never really watched any, although we're big Office fans, we never watched any of them, but they would have webisodes. Is that like the Walking Dead, talk, Talking Dead thing after? The hell are you talking about, Willis? I'm a little what are you talking about, Willis? A webisode. It's like a mini episode, a short little oh, episode oh, okay. that's only online. Okay. Never shared these with me. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just live life and then it happens. The knowledge comes into me. That was a long pause I, for a reason. I, again, we don't talk. There we go. We're not in front of these. I didn't watch any. I said I didn't watch it. Doesn't mean I don't know or absorb this information. Apparently, webisodes are new to Heather. So, webisode, Heather, is a short episode that appears online or on their website that you can go to. And you can follow some stories about Toby, for instance, or Kevin. Goodbye, Toby. Oh, no. No singing. That's my department. How dare you? I'm the singer here. I mean, it was also, getting back to Wedlock, not the office webisodes, was really well done, especially given the budget and time frame in which this whole thing had to take place. And it expands the Pirates of the Caribbean world in a fun way. And if you don't overthink it, like somebody was trying to do, Heather, it can add to the Curse of the Black Pearl movie. And I wouldn't want to have seen it before my first viewing of Curse of the Black Pearl, but something that was released years later, I think is okay for me. Unless I wouldn't mind it right after. Unless it was some marketing ploy. I mean, you could do like a an after credits scene, like an extended yeah. after credits. Yeah. Then it'd answer questions that you'd be walking out of there asking. That's true. Maybe it would work. I don't know. And of course, the Bride Auction. Hold on to your copies of that, everybody. Hold on to your copies of this web locked if you have it. Because we could see this movie disappear in the future. Disney will lock it in the vault and rewrite their history because they want to suppress it. Did you say wed locked? Wed locked. Or webbed locked. Wed locked. I know you got Spider-Man on the brain. There's all kinds of new Spider-Man movies. There's Amazing. And now there's The Homecoming. And I know you're still back at the Tobey Maguire era. I there. like the Tobey Maguire ones. I didn't say you didn't have to like it. They're I'm good. I'm just saying. But we're talking wedlocked here. Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it looks really good. Given they had access to the set, costume designer Penny Rose, music, and more from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I mean, it really comes off as a fully fledged out production with the look and feel of a big budget movie as far as I'm concerned. But like I said, with only 7 minutes and 45 seconds, 10 minutes with the credits, it does almost feel like a scene that maybe was cut from the beginning of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Could have been inserted right there, practically. Right, yeah. Or like you said at the end, we'll give it to you, throw you a bone there. Well, you couldn't insert it into the movie at the end. Well, that'd be weird. Exactly. That'd be a real full circle thing. <laughs> He's Captain Sparrow's bailing out water, and then at the end of the movie, we see him bailing out water again from the Jolly Mon. It's like, didn't he just get the pearl back? What the hell? Now he's in the Jolly Mon? That'd leave bigger questions. I did have something that caught my attention when I was looking through the credits. Is that there was this one that just, I was just like, what the hell? And it was Randolph Scott. And he's just credited as a pirate. And I thought, what is going on here? Because Heather's giving me the blank stare like, why would he care about that? Because at first I thought, wow, really? Randolph Scott, the actor from Yesteryear? Yesteryear is a time frame, Heather, not a movie. <laughs> Heather's going to be looking up Yesteryear on Netflix. Uh, I'm sorry, it just, it just slipped out. Yeah, and you get that slap now? And I thought, okay, well, I didn't really have an idea of when this guy died or if he had died by the time that this was done. And I thought, probably did. Either way, I thought it was cool. And that maybe that this was like 
a son of his, Randolph Scott. And turns out, no. But anyways, our pirate Randolph would give me quite the surprise when I looked into his film resume on IMDb. And Randolph Scott was an old cowboy actor, just an old actor from the from the early days. I think he probably from the 1920s to 50s or 60s as he was acting, maybe even later than that. I never really, I couldn't really pinpoint him. The name is what I know, not necessarily the actor. I couldn't probably really pull out any movie credits from him. but And I didn't think anybody else out there would, so I didn't really bother to look into it. Because like I said, I got stuck on Randolph Scott in this thing. Wedlock. Turns out it's Randolph Scott III. No relation to Randolph Scott, the uh, cowboy actor. (laughs) But I looked at his IMDb page and I thought, okay, it says director, writer, possibly more. But the title that stuck out that was right there, Womb Raider. Yeah, Womb Raider. Like a play on Tomb Raider, but with a womb. You know, a womb. And I thought, what the hell is going on here? Womb Raider? Randolph Scott, now in a beloved Pirates of the Caribbean short film, Wedlocked. And the first thing I see on his page is Wedlocked, or is Womb Raider. And I thought, okay, I'm going to read the summary for this thing that he directed and wrote and maybe more acted in, whatever. Here's the official summary of the movie. And I figured we would eventually get into true pirate form at least somewhere during the season and i know heather's already tried to bring in the euphemisms and the double entendres already but i wasn't prepared for what fake randolph scott would give me when i looked into this and i thought wait wait wait, wait, wait we were the wait, masters wait. of euphemisms so that's what i thought we would talk about it what by the title you weren't <laughs> sure what you were getting into i had no clue i mean i could kind of get an idea but womb is not you something were that- shocked yeah, because this okay. is a guy that now is in a pirate movie. And now we now I have my eyes have seen Womb Raider, at least on IMDb. When wealthy treasure hunter Kara Loft, hmm, Laura Croft, Kara Loft, what are they doing here? Is delivered an invitation to meet renowned art collector Dr. Scrotus. <laughs> the sexy adventurer is thrust head on into the greatest and most dangerous erotic adventure of her life. The search... For the three sacred wombs. With danger at every turn and beautiful but lethal spy Natasha hot on her heels, Kara must travel to the scorching deserts of Arabia, the untamed jungles of Africa, and the mysterious mountains of Tibet in order to reunite the legendary womb idols of creation. Nice hand gesture, by the way. If you didn't get the euphemisms of all three of those places, the scorching deserts of Arabia, (laughs) the untamed jungles of Africa... In the mysterious mountains in Tibet, or of Tibet, you have another thing coming. So if any of you are out there looking for a little romantic comedy action adventure movie for Saturday night, then check out Womb Raider and let us know just how noteworthy this flick was and know that the writer and producer and director was actually in this wedlock. I'm sure you can find this gem on Skinamax, I mean Cinemax, out there late at night. That was my Randolph Scott tidbits. Fake Randolph Scott, I should say. Randolph Scott, the original actor, is probably turning over in his grave right now. Yeah. I have a couple of quick facts before we head on out of here. And then you can share any facts that you have if you want to talk about anything. There were many proposed titles for the short film. One title, which was used in the later draft of the screenplay, was Tales of the Code Pirate Bells. And in this same draft, there were several revelations. Jack Sparrow deceived all the winches into getting married and auctioned. So it wasn't just Scarlet and Giselle. He mastermind the whole thing. Even the one that pokes up in between. Even the one Scarlet that pokes up Giselle? in between. Yeah. 
The one who's all excited to be getting married today. Yeah, with the eye patch. I'm getting married today. The final bid was supposed to be 700 pieces of silver and two goats. One girl loved the money. One loved the idea that they just got goats. But the way Walter Williamson delivered the line suggested he bid at 107 or 107. Bidded 702 goats because that's what it sounded like. Yeah. 702 well, goats. When the film crew realized the confusion during the read, they decided to keep it just for the confusion. Yeah, because they thought it was pretty funny. 702 goats. Exactly. Heather'd be happy with that. She'd be like, I got myself a goat farm. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> yeah. See, look at you all excited. Jack Sparrow traded Scarlett and Giselle in exchange for a very nice hat to the auctioneer. Yeah, what's up with Jack and very nice hats? Well, he has a nice hat. Did we see how he gets his hat in Dead Men Tell No Tales? Yeah. So why would he need another? But in another? Curse of the Black Pearl, that's a good question. But in Curse of the Black Pearl, he promises Barbosa A very nice hat. A nice hat. A grand hat. This grand poobah hat that he's going to wear as Commodore. So there you go. Very nice hat. I don't know if you have anything. If you have anything, jump in before I continue on. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. One of the lines cut was where Giselle says regarding Scarlet's status as a natural redhead, the carpet doesn't match the drapes, if you know what I mean. But then they did Disney jumped in and thought maybe that was just a bit too racy. Because saying that versus selling women, one of those had to be too (laughs) racy. I don't know which one it was, but that was crossing the line. I know we're peddling in flesh here. But we do we do got to tone this down a bit. They were they were providing brides for the brideless pirates. pirates. That's true. They were providing brides because it was take a winch auction bride. Exactly. Thing. So it was a noble cause actually yes. that auctioneer was doing for those poor he poor was. pirates. The song "Pirate Bride" by Warren Goodlang played during the ending credits, and this usage of the song marks wedlocked as the at least at the time. Now, I can't remember Dead Men Tell No Tales if it has it. i got to imagine it does. But maybe this... I don't want this to be the first error already. Do we already have an error for season one? Now, i got to go look it up. Okay, I'm going to clarify that it, at least up until On Stranger Tides or Through Stranger Tides, because now i got to look at Dead Men Tell No Tales. Damn it! That this was the first time that a Pirates of the Caribbean-related film did not use He's a Pirate in the ending credits, at least somewhere in the ending credits, that music. Oh, really? So they weave it in and they'll do kind of a montage thing. But this one they didn't. And I don't know if they do it in Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's why I'm not going to say that and I'll have to look it up later. But i got to imagine they did. Dang it, I, I knew we should have watched that again. Ah, bastages. The character names Marquis DeVos, Atencio, and Slurry Gibson are tributes to Disney Imagineers who worked on the original ride. Mark Davis, Xavier Atencio, and Blaine Gibson. So they threw some... What do you want to call it some uh goodwill some dang it i lost the word what the hell <laughs> some honor i guess honor we'll go with honor that's not what i was looking honor for doesn't sound right you, dang it don't, i'm saying honor because i'm not going to think about it any longer but they were honoring their imagineer status their imaginations in this wedlock by giving some of the pirates uh those names do you have anything else nope that's that's all you got that's all i got you ready to get out of here then yep i'm ready Well, there we go. That wraps up episode 201, our first episode of season two. We actually made it here. Golf clap. Yeah, no kidding. There's some delay, but it's finally here. And then we're going to be getting on to, well, we're going to have another episode. We're going to do another single episode next week in this kind of format, tackling something other good stuff in the Pirates of the Caribbean expanded universe. 
and then we'll get back on Dead Man's Chest, the kind of the regular schedule daily episode thing, and then we'll be throwing out a bunch of these other episodes here and there throughout the season that talk about all kinds of other stuff that we have. So it should be fun. So we'll be back next week with, I guess I'll just say episode 202. Another episode. Another episode of Pirates of the Caribbean. Something to be determined. Something to tide everyone over before Dead Man's Chest rolls out. Minute by minute. Movies by minute. Minute by movies, however you want to say it. In that format, everyone. Until then, you know what to do. Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And the drinks are flowing. They were flowing all right. Already. <laughs> we haven't even got past the first episode and we got to have to drink. We, oh my God, gotta, we got to have the drinks. This thing is brutal. Sounds like you've had many drinks. How dare you? <laughs> we're out of here. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show. And we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.